BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and I'm honored to be with you tonight. We've got a strong show lined up for tonight. In just a minute, we're going to be talking with Navy SEAL and former Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke. And later, we're going to bring you video of alleged criminal voter fraud on behalf of Democrats in Texas. You'll be able to watch the video and judge for yourself. And then we'll be talking with actor and filmmaker Kirk Cameron about ongoing political attacks on people of faith. So let's get to work. You know, folks, a lot of America is wild. It's a wild country, open land, and it's been that way since the beginning of the Republic. It was part of what drew settlers to this country in America's earliest days. We were a new country with a wild open frontier. That open land is still enjoyed today by tens of millions of hikers, hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen. The family camping trip or a visit to one of America's great national parks is for many families one of their treasured memories. Now to listen to some on the left, you think that hunters and fishermen don't care about the environment. But in fact, the country's hunters and fishermen are often those most in touch with the land. And the money generated by hunting and fishing licenses goes towards a whole host of conservation programs. The president had this to say about his administration's environmental work. For years, politicians told Americans that a strong economy and a vibrant energy sector were incompatible with a healthy environment. In other words, one thing doesn't go with the other, and that's wrong, because we're proving the exact opposite. A strong economy is vital to maintaining a healthy environment. Now, just one look at some of the accomplishments from the Department of the Interior reaffirms the President's promise to keep wild America wild, while reducing the burdensome red tape that so often stifles innovation. Over the past four years, the Department of Interior cut red tape and reduced regulatory costs at a spectacular rate. In just fiscal years 2017 and 2018, the department reduced the regulatory burden by more than $6 billion. Those policies, combined with others, have helped to make America energy independent under the Trump administration. So how are they able to do this while maintaining strong conservation pr principles? Well, good leadership helps. Ryan Zinke, a hunter and a fisherman himself, led the president's interior department, and he updated the approval process for infrastructure and energy projects on federal lands. He cut regulations from thousands of pages to just 150, and Zinke's America First energy policies have turned the United States into an energy exporter and increased federal energy revenues by more than $3 billion. Under Zinke's tenure, the Interior Department allowed hunting and fishing on more than 5 million acres of federal land. But Zinke's time with the department is only a small part of his story. Zinke also served as a United States Navy SEAL for over two decades, and he's the first Navy SEAL and the first Montanan since statehood to occupy a cabinet position. Throughout his decorated military career, Zinke led thousands of troops in the global war on terrorism. 
and he trained thousands of Navy SEALs. I remember because I was one of them, and Zinke had me doing a lot of push-ups. We're honored to have Ryan Zinke join us today. Ryan, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, great always to be with you again, Eric. And by the way, you were a pretty good student. Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. So look, Ryan, in true, in true Navy SEAL fashion, you know, people have been talking about energy independence for decades. We hadn't been able to achieve it. You came into office and you said, not only are we going to have energy independence, you said, we're going to have American energy dominance, and we are on the path to achieving that. Why was that so important to you? Well, when we came in, we were about 8.3 million barrels a day and declining. Uh, when I left, we were 12.5 million barrels a day and rising. And why is it important? Well, first, environmentally, look, it is better to produce energy in this country than watch it get produced overseas with no regulation. Our regulatory scheme, uh, I think, is appropriate. But it, you, if you want to see environmental damage, look at the way they're producing energy in Africa or the Middle East. And secondly, you got to have an economy. Uh, the president is exactly right. Rich countries can afford great regulation, good environmental policies. And if you're poor, you simply can't afford to do what you need to do. And we were criticized uh, by the, the radical left for making an energy policy that ultimately we won't have to send our kids like you and I did, Eric, yeah. overseas and fight for someone else's energy. So I will say environmentally, morally, and economically, it is the right policy. And let me add this. We weren't just oil and gas. The yeah. Trump administration, you know, we, we unleashed the power of America to make choices. The largest offshore wind lease in the history of this country, the largest onshore lease in, in New Mexico. Look, we're all the above, but made in America is cleaner, better, and wiser. And not only did you do this, Ron, I mean, not only did you help to lead this effort towards American energy dominance, but, you know, for people on the left who were so critical of this administration, you guys also rebuilt America's park system. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. The largest investment in the history of this country to address our national parks and yeah. forest infrastructure. When I came in, uh, the Park Service unanimously said, what's the biggest problem? They said, infrastructure. Our roads are falling apart. Our bridges are falling apart. We don't have enough money to maintain trails. So we looked at it. I was the architect proud that the president said yes and said, we're going to rebuild our park system. We're going to make sure that the trail system's open. And look, the radical left, yeah. they talk about public access, but they don't want you on public land. It is, is I, I, unbelievable the amount of flack that we took for opening up wildlife refuges, refuges for what? Hunting, yeah. opening up fishing opportunities, and opening up public land which belongs to the public People. so the public can enjoy it. Yeah, and, and Ryan, you know, one of the things uh, that, that you also did, in addition to opening up public lands, look, you're, you're, you're joining us from Montana today, from your home state. I'm from Missouri. One of the things that you also did when you came to D.C. was that you actually made sure that you pushed power out away from D.C. You got it out into the hands of people who were on the front lines around the country. Talk a little bit about the fight that you had to engage in to actually reorganize the Interior Department and push a lot of that power out of D.C. and back to the back to the states and local communities. Well, look, if you don't know where the Yellowstone River is or the Tongue River is, right. how do you think you can manage it? 
Right. You know, Washington, D.C. is arrogant. They're condescending. And they believe they're in the best position to manage our public lands. I have never been an advocate for selling or transferring public lands. Absolutely. But I am an advocate for managing it. Mm -hmm. We can't afford to have you know, spend billions of dollars fighting forest fires when we should be better stewards of the land. And there are this radical group that just simply would rather have the whole forest burned down than harvest a single tree. In context, there's billions of board feet that are lying on our forest floors, rotting, and yet we import lumber into this country. There are those that simply would like to bubble wrap our public land mm. so our, our citizens can't use it. And you look at, you know, bikes and not everyone can walk in and I'm getting old. You're getting while well, you're still young, but there's <laughs> veterans out there that are that are disabled. There are yeah. older folks that would like to take their grandchildren hunting. And look, you, you need access to our public lands. And, you know, just today I, I was reading that here again, these radical groups in, yeah. you know, Center for Biological Diversity and others that are challenging the decision to open up public lands for hunting and fishing. And on, on, the, on the, the premise that somehow lead, lead shot is a threat to birds. If you want to talk about birds, you know, look at wind. Wind chops up at least 750,000 birds, right. not stressed every year, but they ignore that unless, and, and rather spend time making sure that hunters that pay for, by the way, conservation over a billion dollars. When we, when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on, on how hunters and fishermen contribute to the environmental agenda. And folks, we're also going to talk with Ryan Zinke about some of his experience as a Navy SEAL serving this country as well. Stay, stay right with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and we're going to continue our conversation with former Navy SEAL and Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke. You know, Ryan, just before the break, we were talking about hunters and fishermen and their contribution to the environment. You're a hunter, a big fisherman yourself. Talk with, if, with our audience, if you would, about why it's so important that the country recognizes the contribution that hunters and fishermen make to conservation. Well, fiscally, the hunters and fishermen, every time you buy a fish hook or a box of ammo, it goes into account and it's distributed. You know, well over a billion dollars every yeah. year goes to conservation projects. The conservation ethic of North America is the model for the rest of the world, hands yeah. down. We monitor our species. We make sure the flyways are healthy. You know, and the hunters and sportsmen are out there protecting the lands that, that all of us use. And I, I wish the same could be called for those hikers 
that you know I, I think if uh, hunters have you know pay into the conservation I think you know hikers and campers should do much the same right I think that's up to Congress to make sure that there's some yeah. equity in there so we all benefit from the public lands that we love now Ryan one of the things that you did when you were uh, announced as President Trump's Secretary of the Interior after you were confirmed on your first day and you actually rode a horse in to office one of the reasons why you did that was that you wanted to that you wanted to demonstrate your solidarity with the men and women who are out there in public service on the front lines talk a little bit about why that's so important to you well, the U.S. Park Police is among the oldest law enforcement entities in our nation. Yes. Uh, they're the ones you see in the mall. The, they're riding around. And there are great people out there every day. The other reason I rode a horse in is I wanted to make sure that people knew the West uh, should yes. have a say. You know, those of us that are, that are out there in Montana and, and the West, uh, a lot of times there is a there is a attention involved when the federal government uh, comes in and overrides the state, overrides local communities, and simply turns a deaf ear. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, people that live in the community, that work in the forest, uh, they should have a say about how, how land is managed to make sure the trails are maintained, make sure public access is there. But when you're continually yeah. shutting gates, you're continually not allowing the public to utilize those lands that belong to all of us, what we're doing is we're creating the next generation has less opportunity. Yeah. And look, uh, no one loves public land more than I do. You can love it as much, but you can't love it anymore. Right. We have to make sure that our young you know, kids yes. out there have an experience. Statistics yes. will say if you don't get a hook in by 12, it's more difficult mm -hmm. as this next gener generation goes, go, you know, gets older to protect the very legacy that our fathers gave us on public right. land. So get them out there, get hiking and, you know, mountain bikes, the Wilderness Act, we, you know, was, was a great compromise, right, between yeah. The preservationists, the, the ranchers, the cattlemen, and the hunters. But it's a triad, and when gates are closed, where you no longer can graze, the consequence on many cases is these catastrophic forest fires. you got to reduce the amount of fuel in the forest so you don't burn up 300,000 acres. If you want to manage forests, then have prescribed burns in the shoulder season rather than the peak season. Make sure you can harvest timber in a sustained manner and, and make sure you manage our public lands to be good stewards in perpetuity. And that's, look, that's all common sense to people who have an affinity with and an understanding of the land. It's obviously not common sense in, in Washington, D.C., but it is. It's common sense for, for a lot of people who've grown up in and around the land. You spent a lot of time focused on kind of bringing back regulations that just didn't make sense. But I know, you and I have talked about this, that was a big fight to kind of change this massive regulatory regime that just didn't make sense. Talk a little bit about how you fought that and why it was so important to roll back some of those regulations that just didn't make sense to people who were on the ground. Well, let me give you a short story that I think yeah. highlights. Let's say you have a trout and a salmon in the same stream, right? Upstream, you have a, down, uh, a dam. Downstream, you have forest service. This is how it's managed. 
The trout are managed by Fish and Wildlife Service, the Department of Interior. The salmon are managed by Department of Commerce through NOAA. Upstream dams are either the Department of, of, of Army by Army Corps of Engineers right. or Bill of Reclamation. Forest Service land, the surface is managed by the Department of Agriculture. Subsurface is BLM, that's, that's Bureau of Land Management. Right. You're going to have the same, same stream with two fish managed by multiple departments with multiple leaderships, multiple missions in different regions. So what I did is the same model of what SOCOM, the same model of our combatant commanders, right. is look, we're going to focus on three things, recreation, conservation, and permitting. And we're going to do it jointly. So, so you can have somebody who's going to be in charge. All right. So, so that, that brings me to another question, right? So given, given your experience, you just made the analogy, like what was harder, being a SEAL Team 6 commander fighting in the global war on terrorism or taking on the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C.? It was easier being a SEAL Team 6 commander because at least the SEAL Team 6 commander, most of the rounds came from the front. And if you got really upset, you could take someone out. And in the interior, most of the rounds come from the, from behind, you know. And and this battle we face, yeah. I think, couldn't yeah. be any clearer. You have on one side power and control and mm. institution, and you have the other side is freedom, the Constitution, and family. You cannot replace the family with institutions, and power it has to come with a responsibility. But the Constitution is about individual freedom; mm-hmm. it's not the collective. And what we're seeing is the collectivism enunciated uh, or enumerated by socialism, globalism, somehow they think for the benefit of the, of the many that our individual rights mm-hmm. should be diminished. And that's the foundation of our country. I sit firmly on the freedom side is that we don't want government to make those decisions. That's why Thomas Jefferson put the government in chains so the government could not interfere with our rights. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that you've also played, played a really big role in, Ryan, is you've helped other naval special warfare personnel, other special operators, like actually get involved in public life, get involved in their communities, get involved in the fights in Congress, help to fight some of these battles in Washington, D.C. Give our audience just a sense for some of the work you've done through SEALPAC and your ability to kind of bring some of these other guys into the fight. Well, like you, Eric, you know, I'm red, white and blue. Yeah. I never asked whether the soldier, sailor, airman, or marine next to me was a Democrat or Republican. Right. I don't care. Right. What I care about is: Do you love your country? Do you, do you are you focused on mission? Do you, do you are you striving to be as good as you can for not only yourself but your team? And that's yeah. America. Yeah. And so oftentimes I think those of us who have served, you know, have the same viewpoint. They don't see life through a blue mm-hmm. or a red lens. And I think it's important to have some balance when you're considering bills, you know, and, and being in politics in Washington, D.C. is tough. You know, right now it seems like the sides are, are divided up between teams. Mm-hmm. In many cases, the referees are wearing jerseys and calling the plays. I think the, I think the government's job is to be a referee yes. and not call plays and, and, and definitely not, not wear the uniform of one side or the, or the other. But, you know, I, I'm proud. Uh, SEAL PAC uh, has helped recruit. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we find good candidates. Uh, we find people that love America, that, that give a damn about this country's future and our children's future. 
And uh, then we find like donors uh, to help, and we introduce donors to candidates. And and uh, we've done very, very well. Rob O'Neill is the yes. current uh, chair. Uh, I am the, was the founder. Let's remind all of our viewers, Rob O'Neill, the man who shot Osama bin Laden, a good friend of yours and mine. So go, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, there, there's uh, yeah, a number of SEALs that are doing great things. You know, Dan out of, out of Texas is, is, is done amazing things. Great, great campaign video uh, with Dan. That was I think. awesome. Yep. I think Taylor's going to win uh, again in Virginia, and there's others that that, that are helping. Well, it doesn't it's, matter. It's, what you're still it's, a, it's an awesome brotherhood, and Ryan, you've done a, done a fantastic job of, of keeping a lot of the guys together. We appreciate you. Our viewers appreciate you. That's Ryan Zinke, folks, Navy SEAL, former Secretary of the Interior, and a great patriot. We'll be right back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Reitens. Now, as Election Day draws near, over 66 million Americans have already cast their vote for president. The coronavirus has led to the greatest number of mail-in ballots ever to be cast in American history. And it raises an important question. Can we trust the process? Many on the left and in the media have denied that voter fraud exists. But yesterday, Project Veritas, a group that works to expose corruption and political bias, released a video showing what appears to be criminal voter fraud in Texas. You can watch the video yourself. Take a look. Now, you know on here, you chose the Republican, not a Democrat, right? That's, can I do that? You can, do, you can vote for whoever you want, but our conversation that we had, you said you were voting for Hager because you were going straight Democrat. Okay, so what I do is I literally get the vote. Mm -hmm. She didn't vote for who we wanted her to vote for. I know. That was... Now, if I was there earlier, mm -hmm. before she did that, mm -hmm. I would have caught it, and that would have never happened. Yeah, when right. she changed, uh, I mean, she was voting for, she was clearly voting for John Corden, and then you made her, that's you my, were able to. But that's my job. The 10 ladies that I'm going to tomorrow, mm -hmm. their ballots are going to be empty, mm -hmm. okay? So I got to have, because they're in precinct two, I got to take all these 10 ballots to them, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and I'm going to have it already filled out with who I want, right? And then I'm going to say, listen, those are my choices, like who I like, because I'm going under me. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think. And they're going to say, oh, okay, well, yeah. Well, so on a day like that, how many ballots do you think that you can do that with? I've already done, I don't know, probably like 1800. What I do in picking up the balance when he was with me, that's illegal. I could go to jail. So I, I, I'm a little apprehensive to tell somebody what I'm you know what I'm saying? And again, once he works with me once, he's going to say she's. I, I guess Trump was right. <laughs> I'm sorry. About doing stuff illegal? Yeah. <laughs> they all said he was holy. Oh, 
No, he's not. It's true. Because you're not supposed to do that. Well, now there's a story on the Gateway Pundit titled Texas Attorney General Investigating Voter Fraud Operation following the Project Veritas Exposé. We're joined now by Jim Hoft, founder of the Gateway Pundit. Jim, great to have you on. Tell our viewers, what's the latest on this story? Great to be with you, Eric. You um, congratulations on your show, by the way. Thank you. And uh, you're a natural fit for television, so uh, I'm sure it'll do very well. Thank you. Yeah, this is a crazy story, Eric. At the Gateway Pundit, we've been covering uh, voter fraud for years, basically. When I started in 2016, there was uh, stories here across uh, the river in East St. Louis where they were buying uh, votes with uh, crack cocaine. So this has been going on a long time. And um, actually, Eric, I just thought I'd throw this in. I've been approached this week by the New York Times. They wrote about us, mm. the Washington Post, and uh, also NewsGuard about uh, this voter fraud. And they are insisting that it is not happening. So James O'Keefe releasing this uh, investigation came at the right time. And, you know, I love how in this video that James released, how they uh, they say Trump was right. And the, the woman who's stealing the votes uh, laughs and agrees. So we know this is going on. We don't know how large it is. Uh, the thing about this investigation, it's, it's, it's heartening to hear that uh, the Texas Attorney General is going to look into this because obviously, Eric, this is a very serious matter. And the media wants you to not discuss it or pretend right. like it is not happening. Right. And, and in this case alone, I mean, just on this video, as you said, we don't know how large of a problem this is. But this wasn't a woman just visiting one voter. I mean, she said she's done this about 1,800 times. Uh, so it does. It, it suggests that there is a serious, a serious problem afoot. Uh, absolutely. And uh, today, uh, with more video that Project Veritas released, mm. we find out that they're, uh, they're spending as much as $55,000 and, uh, and, and that they've uh, flipped uh, thousands of votes now in Texas. So, uh, you know, it, it makes you wonder when you see the headlines that say Texas is turning blue. Well, maybe yeah. this explains it. Yeah. And, and Jim, you know, from, from your perspective, tell me, like, you're, you're the founder of the Gateway Pundit. Uh, you guys run a lot of stories that the mainstream media won't cover. We've been talking on the show a lot about the censorship that's come out from Facebook, from, from Twitter. Tell me about your experience at the Gateway Pundit with big tech censorship. Well, thank you, Eric. I've been speaking out about this for several years. In no. 2016, the Gateway Pundit was ranked the number four most influential website online to help mm. Donald Trump. Since that time, we've been attacked ferociously by the tech giants, and they, they amped it up to a new level, Eric. Listen to this. No longer is it just Gateway Pundit if we put out an article that they don't like that is not approved. Um, they, will, they will suspend our account, but now they're suspending people who follow us. And wow. if they read something or if they put something on Facebook, their accounts are being shut down. So this is communist Chinese style censorship in America, and it's outrageous. And, and Jim, what's what's your advice? You, you've been you've been at this for a while, as you said. You guys were a very influential site back in 2016. What's your advice to our viewers and your readers about how to go around the mainstream media and make sure that they're getting uh, all the facts? You know, Eric. The, the thing about human nature, and you understand this, if you tell the truth, people will come back. Yeah. If you tell the truth, and if they're not lied to, they're going to trust you and they're going to come back. And by the grace of God, and I have to add that, 
Um, yeah. our, our traffic has doubled in the past four years, despite all of the attempts from them, from the social media giants to shut us down. So again, by the grace of God, I'm very grateful. Um, so people will have to take that extra step. You can't just sit at home and watch ABC and NBC and uh, MSNBC, expect you're getting the truth. You have to do a little search. You gotta go and, out, and there and, out there and get it. Well, folks, that's Jim Hoft, founder of The Gateway Pundit. You can read more on this story in the full video on their site at thegatewaypundit.com. Stay right with us, folks. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, in 2020, if you're a person of faith who's outspoken in your beliefs, you don't have to look around very long to find someone who's looking to censor you or even to close your church down. Look no further than California's decision to label religious services as non-essential. Well, at the same time, places like casinos, liquor stores, and marijuana dispensaries remained open. As you can imagine, this decision, and many like it, have ruffled the feathers of a lot of people around the country who believe in freedom of speech, who believe in freedom of assembly, and who believe in freedom of religion. One man in particular is standing up, and you'll probably recognize him. Actor and head of CamFam Studios, Kirk Cameron, joins us now. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, you've been traveling around the country working with people of faith. I know you were just in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. What was your message and what was your experience there in Coeur d'Alene working with people of faith? Well, Eric, thank you. Um, we just finished a great big event with 6,000 people in a church in California called Non-Essential that was mm. watched by over 7 million people. And uh, on the heels of that, I went to Coeur d'Alene uh, to speak to some people there um, because in that community, I have friends who were outside uh, their church and they were put in handcuffs and arrested for what crime? Singing Amazing Grace in four-part harmony uh, against the, the rules of that area. This kind of uh, insanity is happening not just in Idaho and California, but all over our country. And uh, there was a woman who came up to me after I was finished mm. speaking about the essential nature of faith and hope and love for our freedoms. And she was um, very upset. She's maybe 65-year-old Russian woman who is a minister at her church. And she spoke in a thick Russian accent. And through tears, she said, thank you for what you're saying. We need pastors. We need pr uh, Christians. We need people of faith to stand up because we're moving toward the kind of policies and tyrannical government shutdowns that we ran away from in Russia. My parents, my grandparents, they were put in prison. And it all started with things like tearing down monuments, rewriting um, history, changing the textbooks in school, closing churches, closing schools. 
and making certain things uh, unsafe unless you did it certain ways. And she was through tears saying, my precious America, uh, people need to stand up and speak now uh, or their essential freedoms will be not just um, censored, they'll be eliminated. Yeah, so, so we, have, we have here now in the country, we've got people who are literally being arrested for singing Amazing Grace, while at the same time you have people out chanting for defunding the police, rioting and looting, and essentially they're, they're not touched. Something certainly seems, seems very wrong uh, about that. And tell us, Kirk, I know as you look forward to, to the holidays, uh, you and I were talking about this. It's obviously an incredibly important time uh, for people of faith. They want to bring their church communities together. They want to bring communities of faith together. They want to come together with their families. Yeah. But even those holiday gatherings, it sounds like politicians are actually starting to, uh, to restrict. Well, think of just listen to how crazy this sounds. So I was just reading the government webpage wherein the new guidelines say that for holiday gatherings, any kind of gatherings, by the way, uh, including Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, I have six children. And according to the guidelines, uh, no more than two of my adult children can come to my house to have Thanksgiving with me inside my house because that's too many uh, families gathering. And in fact, if they want to come, we all have to be outside and put the turkey out on the back back patio, and we need to try to pass it to each other, sitting six feet apart with masks. And by the way, Christmas carols, we got to sing those only outside with a mask at or below a speaking volume so that we don't spread this killer disease that has a 99.97% survivability rate. It, it's just getting to be crazy. We're wondering what kind of draconian measures does an American governor put on his people uh, there's much more sensible ways to deal with what's going on. And if we don't stand up now, we understand that this leads to the removal of essential freedoms uh, and the Constitution and everything that we hold dear as Americans and people of faith. Yeah, it's actually so absurd that if it weren't happening, you wouldn't believe that it could happen, that the no, government would Eric, be in there you... regulating how you hand a turkey back and forth with your family at Thanksgiving. You wouldn't believe it. And, and... And, and the list goes on and on to disposable single-serving containers and, and everything else. And, you know, you're right. If you had said this six months ago, eight right. months ago, that we would be here, right. you'd say, oh, that's a crazy conspiracy uh, fairy tale. But yet here we are. Yeah. Well, and so you... what do we do? I'm listening to people who come from socialist countries through tears telling me, turn around, turn around, wake up, wake up, because you're running into the very problems we ran away from. Well, and Kirk, what, what I like always about what your, your approach to this is that you don't, you don't just complain. You actually bring people together to do things. Tell, tell the audience a little bit more. You touched on it briefly, a little bit more about what you're doing at nonessential.live. So a group of influencers and I, uh, including Dinesh D'Souza, Charlie Kirk, Sissy Graham Lynch, um, uh, artist Danny Gokey, Pastor Jack Hibbs, uh, Rob McCoy, and others, American frontline doctor, Dan Erickson, um, we got together and 6,000 people voluntarily came into a church to worship God freely, to sing uh, and make a, a song and a joyful noise and talk about what's really happening in America and not just bring up the problems, but bring solutions to the table. And ultimately that is going to focus us like a laser back to personal responsibility and turning our heart back to the Judeo-Christian values and the faith 
that blessed us so much and getting people to vote. So we want millions more people to watch Non-Essential. And you can do that easily by going to nonessential.live. And you can even sign up to attend one of the non-essential peaceful protests happening all across the country. Yeah, and so in, in the last 20 seconds that we have, Kirk, again, people can go out to nonessential.live. And if they want to take action, they can join you there. Is that right? That's right. Just like Walt Disney said earlier, uh, intelligent or actionable intelligence is all about not just uh, talking, but starting to do things. And that's what we can do. You can join or even host a non-essential peaceful protest and you can bring this kind of content to your community, your friends and your family. And a great thing to do is just watch the program. You'll be blown away. You'll be standing in your seat. You'll be cheering. And uh, this is the kind of thing that uh, I, I would want someone to make. And so I went ahead Perfect. and made it with Thank my you. friends. We, we appreciate your leadership on this. Thank you for standing up for freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and people of faith. Folks, that's Kirk Cameron. We'll be right back. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And before we go, let's take a look at one of the stories making headlines today at justthenews.com. A package containing damning documents was shipped to Tucker Carlson this week, and it didn't make it to the Fox News host. It was discovered in transit that the package was opened, and the documents relating to the Hunter Biden laptop allegations of profiting from Vice President's time in office were removed. Since then, a spokesperson for the United Parcel Service said that the documents have been located and they're working to return them. Now, before we go, there's a great story out of one Michigan elementary school. First grade teacher Julia Koch was teaching her first grade class virtually when she received a call from one of her students' grandmothers. She thought that she was just having technical difficulties, but Julia soon realized that it wasn't what it seemed. The woman was having a stroke. Julia was familiar with the signs because her own father had died from a stroke. Thanks to her quick thinking, Cynthia Phillips survived. It's a story of great hope and humility and a reminder that Americans can act with compassion and courage towards each other every day. Before we sign off, we want to leave you with a quotation. This is from Viktor Frankl from Man's Search for Meaning. Those who have a why to live for can bear almost any how. It's a good reminder that when you have a sense of purpose, you can make it through almost any difficulty. We hope that you have a great weekend. As always, we appreciate you joining us tonight and every night on Actionable Intelligence. We're here every night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. And please go out and share with your friends what you're learning and enjoying at Actionable Intelligence. Thank you. Have a good night. And God bless you.